The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey, it's Pastor Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. So uh, think about your life up to this point. What if I were to tell you it's just the beginning? That you're just starting out? I read a scripture this week that talked about the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ as just the beginning of what he has to say and do in the world. We're gonna look at how our lives are just beginning to see the work of Christ being fulfilled and how we can make room for the advancement of the kingdom of God on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. Good to spend this time with you, and I really do appreciate that you listen to this show. That means a lot to me. I love it when you send me texts or you um, give voicemails. Voicemail, is that what it's called? Anyway, here's the number. Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to put you on some sort of mailing list. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to sell your phone number. It's just simply a text or a voicemail that comes to me, and I hear it or I read it, and I'm encouraged. So here's the number, 360-818-4513. Jot it down, 360-818-4513. You might say, Doug, I don't do that kind of thing. Well, maybe this is a first. Maybe this is the first time you've ever texted a show or you've ever called a show. You can do it. It'll be easy. It'll encourage me and it'll encourage you. 360-818-4513. Don't worry, I won't pick up. I won't answer. Just call, leave a message, or text 360-818-4513. You can also go to our website, fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. And you can find past podcasts. If you want to subscribe to the show, uh, you can subscribe through iTunes, the Fairly Spiritual Show through iTunes, or through SoundCloud. That's the Fairly Spiritual Show. And yes, we do need donations to keep the show on the radio. Uh, in order to pay our bills to be on the radio, we need people to give at least $25, dollars $50, $100, uh, $10,000. <laughs> well, maybe just $25 to start. But in order to do that, go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today. Your donations matter greatly. So on today's show, I want to talk about something that just stuck out to me. When you read the scripture and you study the scripture, it comes alive. And for me, the scripture is my magic book. And I know some people don't like when I use those terms, but hey, tough, because uh, the scripture just comes alive to me. I don't see the scripture as just man-made stories or just spiritual people who wrote spiritual things, and I get to just interpret it based on what I think is right or wrong. I see the scripture as God-breathed, given to us uh, through the Holy Spirit, and I believe it's all true. And if I'm wrong in that, uh, you know, God's to blame. I'm going to stand before God and I'll say, you know, you should have done a better job, but I just believe that the scripture was fully from you. And I just think that's a better way to live. I've found that when people start picking and choosing what scriptures they think are from God and what scriptures are from man, that the scripture begins to look a lot like them. And it just seems to break down. So for me, 
by faith, I'm going to believe that God has spoken to us through the Bible and through time, through history, through all the complexities of how the Scripture came together, through culture, that we have Holy Scripture. And time and time again, I've gone to the Word and begun to study the Word, and I've just sensed the Holy Spirit bring the Word alive to me. And that's why I think it's really important to view the Scripture as sacred and holy and God-breathed and and truly God's message to me. Like, whenever you start going, ah, you know, I don't know, maybe some of it is from God, some of it isn't, the moment you read something that you, you disagree with, you just discount it. But when you believe that every bit of the Word, every word from the Word, every Scripture, every verse God is trying to teach you, then you really open your heart for God to speak to you, and it becomes a sacred task. It becomes a a divine encounter. And once you just kind of go, ah, you know, it's just something there, then you're you're in trouble. I, I remember having a very troubling conversation with a progressive um, Christian, uh, theologically progressive Christian, where he was talking to me about how he didn't see the Bible as sacred. And I said, well, do you see any difference between the Bible and, let's say, a book like Moby Dick? And he said, no. And I thought, that is profoundly troubling. And then I'm, well, what parts of the Scripture do you find sacred? And what parts do you think are from God? And you need to tell people that. You need to give us the Bible that you do believe in and not just attack people who believe in all the Bible. Maybe just start telling us what you actually believe in. Because... Once people just see the Word of God as just some words on the page, there's something where you don't really consume it. You don't really dig into it. You don't wait to hear the voice of God. So uh, I was reading in Acts, and something at the beginning of Acts just, just stuck out to me. And it's this verse, and it's right at the beginning of Acts, and, and Acts is written by the same author who wrote Luke as well. So you know, Luke talks about Jesus' work on earth, you know, all the messages that he gave, the virgin birth, uh, the, the, the message of the gospel, right? There's the death and resurrection and ascension of Christ. And so here we get Acts, and this is, we, we have Christ goes away, we have the disciples waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and here's the first line from Acts. In the first book, O Theophilus, and so the author was writing for to Theophilus or for Theophilus's commission. Maybe he had commissioned these books. Anyway, he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So he says, in the first book, that's Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Just pausing there, that just rocked my world. I know rocked my world. I could use better language. I, I don't know. As I said that, I think my wife would say, really rocked my world? You need something more theological. But there was just something there where, listen to what he says, what he writes. In Luke, you know, in Luke where he writes about everything Jesus taught and about Jesus' death and resurrection, you know, dying for our sins and, you know, resurrection, that's kind of a big deal you know, kind of the whole gospel story, this is what he refers to it. What Jesus began to do and teach. As a beginning. That's just the beginning. There's much more that Jesus is going to do. 
and much more that Jesus is going to teach. Now, we would say, I wrote about that all that Jesus did and taught, or all the important stuff that Jesus taught and did. But here we have the author of Acts saying, you know, Luke was about what Jesus began to do. So the entire gospel story is referred to as a beginning by the author of Luke and Acts. That's pretty radical. It's a radical beginning to the book of Acts of even why Acts is written. I believe Luke and Acts is written in this sense where people were forgetting how the church was even formed and how the church was to move forward. Um, Luke was written later than some of the other gospels, and I think people were already believing, well, there were these great men and women of faith. You know, those disciples were just amazing people. Those men and women of faith, we just need great, amazing people like those for the church to do okay. And the author is saying, no, no, it's not about these amazing people. It's about the amazingly powerful, the power of the Holy Spirit in normal people. That these weren't tremendously amazing people, but this is the amazing work of God working through ordinary people yielding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus began to teach in Luke. He began to do things in Luke. He continued to teach and do things in Acts through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church, and Jesus continues to speak through the church, and he continues to move through the church, but now he does it through the Holy Spirit. And the only reason this would be written in Luke and Acts is not just to limit it to Acts, but to clearly tell us as well that Jesus is continuing to speak and continuing to move today. That Luke is the beginning of what Jesus did and said, and Acts is a continuation of what Jesus did and said, and you and me, we are a continuation of Jesus doing and speaking in our midst. That is a radical statement. It hits me at so many different levels that Jesus, I mean, when you talk about the gospel, you talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus as a beginning, where the author has no problem just saying, you know, this, this, the cross, the empty grave, that was just a beginning. But that's not the end of the story. The cross and the empty grave was a beginning so that another story could occur, so that Jesus could continue to work through the New Testament church, that he could continue to speak through these new believers, and he could continue to move through these new believers. And that's just the beginning of the story, because Jesus wants to continue to move and to speak through you. Jesus wants to continue to actively speak and move through you, just as he did in Luke and as he did in Acts. We're going to talk more about this, how we can be witnesses of Christ right now in this present moment. More to come. All right. We're preaching, aren't we? Yeah, getting a little preachy today. Hey, so this is what I'd love for you to do. Could you text the show? 360-818-4513. That's 360 360- 0-818-4513. Sorry for the pause there. 360-818-4513. Also, please, could you support our show, fairlyspiritual.org? All the money goes to having the radio show broadcast in the Seattle area, and I'd like to expand it to other areas. So if you want it expanded, please donate. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. 
And I'd love it if you'd pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. There's a great chapter in there about Pentecost and why Pentecost is important. Thank you for listening to this show. All right. So I was reading uh, in Acts, and you're going to probably hear a few things on Acts in the coming weeks because our church is going to be going through Acts. And uh, just in the beginning, it just it just hit me at the beginning of the book of Acts. The author says, you know the book of Luke that I wrote? In that book, I just wrote about what Jesus began to do and teach. So the death and resurrection and all the messages that Jesus did on earth are referred to as a beginning. But Acts is a continuation of Jesus speaking and doing. And the reason Acts is also written is so that Jesus can continue to speak and do for the next generation, for the stories that are not written in Acts and the stories that are not written in Luke. The reason Luke and Acts is written at some levels, people have forgotten where the power abides, how the gospel advances. It doesn't advance through tremendous men and women. It advances through people who yield to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And when you yield to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Jesus continues to speak on earth and continues to move on earth. How he spoke and moved in Luke, how he spoke and moved in Acts, he will continue to speak and move today. And so I want to just read on with this because there's another passage here that just really changed my perception of things. And just stay with me on this, can you? Can you not stop the podcast? Can you go all the way to the end? Maybe you got to run a little longer if you're listening to this while running. If you're in the car, just stay in the car. Tell your wife you were listening to a lovely podcast that you'd like her to listen to or tell your husband the same thing. Uh, but I'd like you to listen to the end here because there's there's a passage here that I think has been preached wrongly or, or not fully. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to you know, attack your pastor or other messages, but there's a passage that I think has been profoundly misunderstood and this might help you understand so much of what it means to be a witness. Have you ever heard someone say, we need to go out and witness the gospel? You know, be a witness, be a good witness of Jesus Christ. Well, well, I think we get it from this scripture right here. So let's continue to read. So he says, you know, I talked about in my former book about, you know, what Jesus began to do. And then he goes on in verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so I don't think he was there the whole 40 days. Jesus probably showed himself off and on. And after 40 days, he ascended to the, to the Father. And so we know uh, because he came on Pentecost, Pentecost was 50 days after Passover, like the, 40, you know, the day after the 49th day for the Feast of Weeks. So probably like after he left 40 days, it's 10 more days and then Pentecost comes. So they weren't waiting a long time. It's not like you have to have a 40-day fast for the Spirit to be poured out on your church. It's just he wanted them to wait so that the Spirit could be poured out on Pentecost because it was very important for the Spirit to be poured out on the day of Pentecost because the day of Pentecost was the day where they celebrated the giving of the law. And he wanted them to understand that the Holy Spirit is replacing the law, that you're not living based on the law, you're living based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. But that's, a, that's another show. I've done those shows, and you can find more about that in my book, The Community of God. But let's go on here. In verse 4, he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's an important word there. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And, you know, the last time a cloud like that was mentioned, it's when the cloud, uh, you know, you heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my son, in him I am well pleased. Same kind of cloud, right? When the spirit descended upon Jesus as a dove. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, this, this passage here, I just want you to look at this. We're, we're getting a little preachy today, but I, I think this will help you. He, he says, you will be my witnesses, right? He says, wait for the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Now, I bet you some of you have gone to missionary conferences or you've heard pastors preach this. That, you know, this is the focus we need to have. We need to first reach our Jerusalem, which is our city. And then we need to reach Judea, you know, which is kind of around us. And Samaria, and we talk about that we go further out with the gospel, right? And when we think of witness, immediately we think of what we proclaim, right? I need to proclaim Jesus. I need to be a good witness, right? Witness Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Tell about Jesus. But that's not how witness is being used in this passage. In fact, if you do a word study of witness, witness is not being used in the term of I need to say things. Witness is kind of like a legal term. A witness is someone who sees something. A witness is uh, if you are walking along the street and you see, and uh, you know, this is a little graphic, but if you see a crime in front of you and you see someone mug someone else or you see someone you know, attack someone else, You've witnessed that, right? Well, maybe that's too graphic. Let's say you went to a concert. You two comes into your, your town and they have a concert and you go to that concert and you got to witness you two in concert. You're a witness of you two. You were in the room while the concert was going on. For younger people, pick a younger band. For older people, pick an older band. That's what it means to be a witness. You were there. You saw it. You were in the room with that person. This Sunday, I preached a message. People witnessed me on Sunday preaching the message. They were there. They were witnesses of Doug. Today, if you come home and your kids are there, or your wife's there, or your friends are there, they are witnesses of you. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, you know, don't worry about the times and dates of when I'm going to return. Don't worry about all these big picture things that you're worried about. Here's the most important thing. You need to see me. You need to hear me. You need to know me. You need my presence. You need to witness me. And so before you go do any religious stuff, I want you to witness me. And I want you to witness me in such a way that wherever you go, I'll be there. And that's what this scripture means, because they're going to face, in the book of Acts, they face persecution where they are actually cast out to Judea. There's such persecution that they have to flee to Judea. They have to flee to Samaria. This is where the church goes. It's not, you need to go out and witness to Judea. You need to go out and witness to Samaria. It's, they face persecution in Jerusalem, so they have to go to Judea, and they have to go to Samaria. This just happens. And what Jesus is telling them 
before you go out and do anything, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can witness me, so that you can hear me, so that you can know me. That's what Acts 2 says, in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit so your, your sons and your daughters and your old and your young will, will prophesy. They'll know me. They'll see me. They'll understand me. So when you're kicked out of Jerusalem, like first, first they saw Jesus in Jerusalem, right? They, they were with him. They were with him in the great holy city. And when he was alive with them, they, they saw him. Like for these 40 days, even after his resurrection, they were witnessing him. They witnessed his presence, but he's going away. And Jesus is saying, you need to witness me in Jerusalem. You need to see me after I ascend. So wait for the Holy Spirit and you'll see me again. You'll know me. You'll hear me. I'll be in you and with you. But here's the danger. If they just see him in Jerusalem, they'll think, well, Jesus is just in the holy city, so we can't leave the holy city. But no, they're full of the Holy Spirit. So when they're cast out of Jerusalem and they go into Judea, all of Judea, they're like, Jesus is here too. He's in this new city that we've been cast to. He's here. He's in Samaria. In fact, he says, I'll be with you until the ends of the earth, right? And ends of the earth can mean a couple things, right? It can mean as far as as far as civilization goes, but it can also mean if the earth ends, Jesus is going to be with you. You don't have to be afraid if everything crumbles around you, if persecution becomes so great that you're going to die or everyone around you is going to die, Jesus is going to be with you. He's going to be with you in that room. He's going to be with you in that cave. He's going to be with you on that cross. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's not going to leave you as an orphan, but he's going to come to you and make his home with you. You need the Holy Spirit to witness Christ. There's a couple things in these passages that are powerful to me. It first says that the work of Jesus in Luke was the beginning of his work. And second, it says, don't go out and do anything until you are filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that you witness Christ, that you know Christ, and that you're confident that wherever you go, you will witness him. You'll witness him at church. You'll witness him in the car. You'll witness him at home. You'll witness him at work. You'll witness him at your best days and your worst days. And from witnessing him, hearing him, seeing him, sensing him, knowing him, then people will know Christ through you. This is the question I have for you. Whatever's come up to this point, can you view today? Maybe this is not even a question. This is just a statement. Uh, the scripture shows that all the work that Jesus did, it was just a beginning to the fact that he is still doing a work today. He's still moving today. He's still actively engaged in speaking and moving today. Are you willing to see everything that's come up to this point as still a beginning? That just as the author of Acts could say, you know, the death and crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus was just a beginning because Jesus is still doing something today. Can you see that in your life? No matter what has come before, all the good or maybe all the bad, it's just a beginning. But today, God wants to fill you anew with his Holy Spirit and to speak to you and to move through you and to do things through you today. But before you go out and start doing religious things, before you go out and start doing religious activities, can you be willing to yield to the fullness of the Holy Spirit so that you can witness Christ fresh and anew? Can you find him in such a way that you know he is with you so that you can hear him and sense him and follow him? That's the danger with church where we limit God. Like, I only find God when the pastor's preaching. I only find God when, you know, we're singing music. I only find God when I'm doing religious activity. That's not spiritual development. 
as we grow in the Lord, we find sacred moments as we're driving to church. We find sacred moments on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. The kingdom of God expands where we witness Christ, not just in Jerusalem, but in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We witness Christ when we are healthy. We witness Christ when we are sick. We witness Christ on wonderful days and on bad days. When we have plenty and when we are persecuted, we witness Christ. My prayer for you this year, in 2019, is that you could grow in witnessing Christ, that you could see everything that has come to this point as just a beginning, that for this season of your life, there's something more, that instead of worrying about dates and times and places and events, instead, you would wait to witness Christ and you would receive the fullness of God in your life. I'm going to be talking about much more of this in the weeks to come, but I wanted to give you a taste of the beginning. All right, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to today's show. Please text me, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Also go to the website, fairlyspiritual.org. Your donations help the radio show stay on the air. We'd love to expand it to other parts of the nation, fairlyspiritual.org. And pick up my book. I talk about Pentecost there. Give more explanation. The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. Now make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I'll see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.